This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. President Trump has named a candidate to fill the second vacancy on the United States Supreme Court. The nominee is Brett Kavanaugh, a jurist who sits on the influential United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia. But what do we know about Judge Kavanaugh? His name is hardly a household word. However, focus on the family vice president, Tim Gigline, has known Judge Kavanaugh for 20 years and has some insights on him as a man and as a jurist. Tim and I talk about the president's nominee on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. A court has dropped some of the charges against pro-life advocate David DeLayden, who exposed the sale of body parts from aborted babies at Planned Parenthood abortion clinics throughout the abortion industry. The National Abortion Federation dismissed seven out of 11 claims Friday against DeLayden and his organization, the Center for Medical Progress, in court. In 2015, the Federation sued DeLayden and the Center for Medical Progress after they began releasing undercover videos exposing Planned Parenthood's trafficking of baby body parts. Buying and selling fetal tissue is illegal under federal law. Attorneys for DeLayden will be filing a motion to dismiss the Federation's remaining claims. At least 22 women in America have died, and thousands more have experienced serious complications from taking abortion pills. This according to updated guidance from the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA updated its guidance on the first stage of a medical abortion that blocks progesterone needed for a pregnancy to continue after receiving reports of serious adverse effects on women who took it. A more detailed report lists the adverse effects that occurred among women taking the drug to terminate pregnancy. Women died from a whole range of causes, including hemorrhage, ruptured ectopic pregnancy, toxic shock syndrome, liver failure, sepsis, and suicide. Last week, President Donald Trump called on Turkey's president to release jailed American pastor Andrew Brunson. Brunson was denied release at his latest trial hearing. Turkish authorities have charged him with terrorism. Brunson's been in prison for more than 500 days, and many human rights organizations have called for his release. In June, 85 senators voted to block the sale of F-15 jets to Turkey, citing a deal with Russia as well as the detention of Brunson. Despite Congress's opposition, the first F-35 jet arrived in Turkey last month. In a related note, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom today welcomed the Turkish court's decision to place Pastor Brunson under house arrest rather than sending him back to a Turkish prison. Protestant Christians are facing increasing harassment, threats and violence, and arrests in communist China. This according to the 2018 report of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, which details the state of religious freedom around the world in 2017. The Chinese regime, which is run by the officially atheist Communist Party, has increased its efforts to prevent Protestant churches from operating outside the Three Self-Patriotic Movement. That's a government-run entity. As a result, churches were pressured to register with the three self-patriotic movement, where they were then labeled as evil cults and faced ongoing destruction of purportedly illegal church properties, this according to the report. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County. 
inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. If you have a question or comment for us at Worldwide KFUO, it's easy to contact us on our website, kfuoam.org. On our homepage, click on Contact Us, where you'll find a map and directions to the station, our telephone numbers, and an online contact form. You can also send an email to our in-studio account, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'd be happy to hear from you today. Thanks for listening to Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. My guest today is Mr. Tim Gigline, who's Vice President of Focus on the Family. He's based in Washington, D.C., and is a longtime friend of both the LCMS and of this program. Tim has been a longtime friend also of Brett Kavanaugh, who is President Trump's nominee for the Supreme Court. And we're going to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, the man, who he is, and the judge, what he's done. Tim, welcome to the program again. Thank you, Kip. It's great to be with you. And I must say, it's an honor uh, to be able to talk about Brett Kavanaugh. Well, give me some of the history of the two of you together. I understand you've known each other for about 20 years. We have. Uh, we go back to the very beginning of the uh, Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration. Uh, and we come, frankly, from very different backgrounds. I was uh, born and raised in the Midwest as a Missouri Synod Lutheran. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh was uh, born and raised uh, in Maryland uh, in a Catholic family. And he went to, a, uh, to an all-male uh, uh, Catholic high school, a Jesuit high school, uh, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and he had a very illustrious uh, career. He was always an excellent student, uh, went to Yale College as an undergraduate and then the Yale School of Law, and uh, you know, had several iterations of public service. Uh, but we came to know uh, each other at the White House. Uh, he, uh, in his initial role for George W. Bush, was in the White House Counsel's Office, and in those years I was the... Uh, deputy director of one of the political offices at the White House, and uh, one of the projects that I helped to oversee for uh, President Bush uh, was a standing coalition, uh, you know, of groups that would work together to try to get President George W. Bush's uh, district and appellate and Supreme Court uh, judges and justices, uh, you know, confirmed. And it was a, a very large uh, task. And so one of the things uh, that, that happened as a good result of that goal uh, was uh, a meeting with various colleagues at the White House 
uh, you know, who had a role uh, in that. And uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, a fellow conservative, was one of the great stalwarts in defense of uh, President uh, Bush's um, uh, judicial nominees. Well, Jim, as an observer from both the Bush White House and what's going on now, it seems that uh, that President Trump is running into more opposition, even though he's just set a record now for judicial appointees. Uh, what's going on with this? Well, uh, two things, if I may. First, in the history, and this is a big statement, Kip, but in the history of the presidency, uh, there has never been a president, at least in the contemporary presidency, uh, who has had more uh, appellate or circuit uh, judicial nominees uh, confirmed this rapidly. Uh, we are something like uh, 17 months into the Trump-Pence presidency, and uh, we already have uh, 23 uh, appellate uh, or circuit uh, nominees confirmed. And for those who are not lawyers or not in the judicial system, the, the appellate and circuit court nominees are the very uh, most senior judges, the ones with, if I may say, uh, the most power and the most influence just short of the Supreme Court. And in fact, as irony would have it, uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, as we speak today, uh, is on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. So, you know, in that trajectory uh, of, uh, of important uh, federal courts, uh, Brett, uh, you know, currently has a seat as a federal judge uh, in that regard. So, so President Trump is doing very, very well ahead of any other president, uh, Democrat or Republican, in the sheer number of nominees who have come to office. Now, uh, I think it's fair to say that there was a, a, a big surprise in Washington this week when one of his nominees for the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in, uh, in California uh, did not make it. And there were, uh, unfortunately, a series of, of reasons why that happened. But and he I withdrew. Very- he, wasn't, he wasn't voted down. He withdrew his nomination, is my understanding. Yes, he did. And and I think that if that nomination had gone forward, there would have been members of the Republican Party in the Senate uh, who were committed to voting uh, against him. So I think it's probable, Kip, that uh, very likely that the White House uh, will um, go ahead and decide to nominate uh, another uh, uh, person, very qualified person, uh, for that highly influential circuit in California. And if I would guess, I would guess they would do so in the next few months. Well, looking at uh, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, he has already come under attack and for, I think, some rather silly reasons. Uh, nobody's really gone after his rulings so far that I'm aware, but they, they don't like him because some of the criticisms I've heard is he has a frat boy name. Well, being a fraternity man myself, that's a plus. Uh, That he drank beer in college, another plus in my view. Uh, He likes baseball, another plus in my view. Uh, Now, one area where I do think that the criticism is justified is apparently he likes pineapple on pizza, and that's just wrong. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, um, setting aside uh, his own stellar uh, legal record, and he has by now... Uh, uh, over 300 uh, uh, decisions. So he's a very prolific uh, writer uh, and judge on uh, one of the most important circuits in the United States. But setting aside his professional background for just a moment, 
uh, I have known him, uh, you know, a very long time, as you said, you know, almost 20 years. And I've seen him under, you know, great pressure and great stress as a very senior aide in the West Wing to George W. Bush. And this is a person who is genuinely a remarkable person of character and integrity. In fact, I've known uh, Brett Kavanaugh and his wife Ashley even before they were married. And I, I really do believe very strongly that integrity and character uh, matter, uh, really matter. And uh, I, I was reading a, uh, you know, a, a, an analysis this week of the importance of character and, and, and virtue uh, you know, in high office. Uh, Brett went uh, to a, a Catholic high school, and the motto of that high school was that uh, the graduates were to be men for others. Uh, this is a, a, a recurring motto or credo in many Jesuit-founded uh, uh, high schools. And what it means is that you are supposed to serve uh, God, you are supposed to serve other people, and, uh, and you have a commitment uh, to connect your faith uh, to, uh, you know, to, to service and to making a difference. And I like that model a lot because I've seen that in Brett's life, it is absolutely connected to the way that as a man of faith, he lives. He, uh, he uh, coaches youth sports. He has two uh, young daughters and, uh, you know, is very involved in their lives, very involved in their activities. He uh, regularly, routinely uh, serves meal, uh, to, meals to poor people. Uh, in other words, it's not just a mantra uh, in his life, but it's something that he, that, that he actually does. And I, I love this combination, Kip, of faith and freedom and family, this idea that we are to live our values, that it's one thing to talk about them, but it's another thing to live them. And I, I've seen this over and over in Brett's life, and I think it's very impressive. One of the big issues that we're seeing uh, in terms of the courts these days are the originalists who believe in the Constitution as, the, as it was written, and the living document, the living uh, document people who believe that it has evolved. Could you explain a little bit about these two positions, and where does Brett fit in this? I'd be happy to. Uh, yes, there is a school of jurisprudence called originalism or textualism. And uh, originalism and textualism means the following. It means that the words of the Constitution have a fixed meaning, uh, that when the, uh, the great U.S. Constitution was drafted and ratified, uh, that, that the authors were writing for all time. They were not just writing for the 18th century, that they were setting down uh, the pillars and the principles that would not change over time as the most important document for law in the United States. And those who years later uh, decide or determine in their jurisprudence uh, to adopt this view that the Constitution's meaning uh, you know, is eternal uh, is the school of jurisprudence that uh, Justice Scalia, uh, Justice Thomas, uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Alito, uh, and Justice uh, Gorsuch, just to name a few, uh, they are the ones who, who very much uh, practice uh, their, uh, their vocation uh, in this regard. But the other school is often called the Living Constitution. And the Living Constitutionalists, uh, which is a branch of progressivism, uh, they say that the Constitution does not have 
a fixed meaning, uh, that it does not have, uh, uh, you know, first principles that were the same uh, yesterday and today, uh, that in fact it's up to a judge or a justice to essentially understand what trend lines, what styles, uh, what's changing in a country and a culture, uh, and that they are to, to, to determine what those uh, trend lines of style and fashion are, and then they are to apply to the law uh, those, uh, you know, those new uh, happenings in culture. And I think we've seen, Kip, uh, that the impact of that kind of very irresponsible jurisprudence uh, has not served our country well. Another question that has been raised is the idea of precedent. Um, I've heard a number of people uh, question whether or not uh, he would respect the concept of precedence. Now, I say that knowing that the Supreme Court usually goes by precedence. However, in the Juno case, that reversed an earlier ruling. Uh, Board versus uh, uh, Brown versus Board reversed uh, Plessy versus Ferguson. Uh, uh, Gideon versus Wainwright also reversed Supreme Court precedents. So it's happened before. Has has he spoken on this at all? You know, I'm so glad that you raised this uh, issue, Kip, because this is unbelievably important. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people who uh, call ourselves conservatives, you know, we, we we sort of naturally gravitate toward precedent. You know, that's the tradition, that's the custom, that's the, uh, you know, the, the precedent in law and in life, uh, and that we dare not, you know, stand away from that. Uh, and uh, in law, it's often referred to as, as a Latin term, stare decisis, uh, and there are other, you know, pronunciations of this phrase. And, and, and in my view, uh, you know, regarding people who are originalists, uh, and in the fixed meaning of the Constitution, it's a very good thing to, uh, to say that's a precedent. We ought not overturn it in law. Or if we are going to overturn a, a major law or a major precedent, that we ought to do so prudently, cautiously, that we ought to do so maybe incrementally and, 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 and respect the law. And I think that those are all uh, you know, very good dispositions. But as you say, there really are times when precedents are built not on a fundamental law or the Constitution, but in fact they were adopted, uh, you know, at a particular time in America's history, uh, and, it, and it becomes very clear that, that those decisions actually were not constitutional. Uh, and, and, and in those instances, like Brown versus Board of Education, like the most famous probably infamous case, which, uh, you, know, uh, you know, took place in Missouri in St. Louis, the Dred Scott decision, deciding that black people could not be citizens. Clearly, very clearly, uh, these uh, were not good decisions. They were, they were tragic decisions. They were considered precedent in their own time. And so rightfully, uh, the Supreme Court uh, determined uh, that, in fact, those decisions were not constitutional. So it's you know you, we we have to we have to a, approach the Constitution and and approach the concept of precedent uh, prudently and prudentially, but it does not mean uh, that as an originalist you can never make that decision. Another point I think that's going to be raised: uh, he is a devout Catholic, and that implies a number of different concepts, uh, everything from uh, the state of marriage to uh, the state of life. 
Now, the Constitution specifically forbids any kind of religious test, but you know this is going to be raised during the hearings. Will his religion interfere with his administration of justice? I remember, I'm old enough to remember when uh, this issue was raised when Jack Kennedy was president, was running for president. So, yes, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Brett's Catholicism uh, will be raised either directly or indirectly. And as you know, Kip, uh, very irresponsibly, uh, people's uh, Christianity has been raised uh, in uh, hearings for other nominations. And, uh, you know, you, you, you listen to this uh, criticism, and I, and I would call it uh, Christian bigotry, and, and you just wince. Because we all understand there's no religious test uh, to be the president or to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, I think we all know people in our great country. Uh, some of them are Christians, and they're good citizens, and others are not Christians, and they're good citizens. You know, praise God, uh, particularly as Lutherans, I say, that we don't live in a theocracy and we don't have religious tests for office. But that's something quite different from saying that somehow you should be considered suspect or unqualified or disqualified because you are a person of faith. Uh, our founding fathers, our founding mothers, many of them, many of the most prominent ones on the Supreme Court, in the presidency, in the Congress, were very outspoken, uh, devout Christians, and they clearly served with remarkable distinction. And I might say, beginning with John Marshall, who was probably one of, uh, if not the most uh, distinguished uh, chief justices of the United States uh, in our history. I would agree with that, uh, from what I've read of uh, Justice Marshall. I'm Marshall, but I'm going back to my college days, so who knows what I remember now. Uh, but another thing that I did want to raise on this is uh, the the actual procedure that takes place. Now, he's going to have to go through a number of different hearings. Right now, he's been on Capitol Hill having private discussions with various senators. We are in a very partisan age right now, and I know the last couple of ones that have been confirmed by the Senate have been confirmed by a 50 to 49 vote. Uh, Senator McCain is, is very seriously ill and has not been able to attend, so that's why it's 50 rather than 51. So what is going to happen here? Uh, he's got to hold on to his entire majority in the in the Republicans and the Democrats, maybe some would go over, maybe not. I know here in Missouri, for example, uh, this has been a strong pro-Trump uh, pro state. And Senator yeah. McCaskill, who is a Democrat, is running for re-election this year. And uh, so this could have a bearing on her re-election. So she may or may not do something. I read a news report this morning saying that that she is going to uh, vote against uh, uh, vote against uh, Kavanaugh, but who knows? So what, what's going to be happening from this point? How, what, how will the procedure go? Well, the procedure will go uh, in the following manner. Uh, typically, uh, the nominee will meet with uh, members uh, of the Senate uh, of both political parties. And it's very unfortunate that at this point we have several uh, Democratic U.S. senators who are saying that they are committed to voting against Brett Kavanaugh, but they've never met Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, I think that that's very unfortunate. Um, and also you have some of these same members of the Senate who say they will vote against uh, Brett Kavanaugh. They've already announced that. And yet they are also saying, uh, even as they've announced their opposition, that they need to be able to look at all of his uh, past record and etc. 
uh, you know, that to me is a non sequitur. Those things uh, don't, don't go together. But that's the era that we're in. It's highly partisan, uh, and they're not willing to say this is an extraordinary nominee. Of course, we're going to vote for him. So I think that's unfortunate. What I think will happen is that uh, these, uh, some of these uh, meetings will continue uh, in the Senate, and then the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, Charles Grassley of Iowa, he will announce the, 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 the date or the dates uh, for the actual hearing. And then I suspect that we will have a vote uh, sometime uh, in the committee and on the floor of the Senate uh, in late September. And the goal here, Kip, is to have a ninth Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh, on the court uh, as the court begins its new term uh, in October. And I, I, you know, I'm speaking from personal experience, both professional uh, uh, you know, experiences as well, but I don't think we can have a, you know, really a, a better uh, candidate uh, on all the merits, but that's not to say that we are not in an asymmetrical time and the bearing that politics will have on this, of course, is something that we're all watching. One thing that you just raised that, frankly, I hadn't thought about is we hear a lot of talk about, uh, gee, should this appointment be done before or after the midterm elections? However, the Supreme Court uh, new, uh, new uh, season starts in October before the elections, and it would really yes, it be, does. be beneficial yes, yes, to have a full does. court. Yes, and I, 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 I think it is unfortunate that some uh, senators will seek potentially to, uh, at least they, they say they will, to delay a vote until after uh, the elections. I, I personally don't think that that will be the case. I think we are, in this instance, uh, in this time in the court's history, much better served if we have uh, nine justices on the court uh, as the new uh, term opens. And I think that that's the commitment of Chairman Grassley and of the majority leader, Mitch McConnell. And I think that um, that, that timeline will begin to shore up probably in the next three weeks. Well, Tim, I want to thank you for being on the program and sharing your insight. It's been invaluable both as an observer in the Washington scene and the fact that you have a personal relationship with Mr. Kavanaugh. Well, it's all my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, and let us know what goes on. I'm sure we'll have you on again. God bless. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.